0: Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a kid leader Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.
1: Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. I'm Sean McKinley, your host, and joining me is our co-host, Joy Hensley. Hey, Joy, how are you?
2: Great. So excited for another podcast.
1: I know. We had a great time last month with Dr. Wes Stafford. Uh, got some great feedback from folks that they really enjoyed his presentation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay. Go right ahead.
2: People were commenting on Facebook about how much they enjoyed it. We saw lots of people sharing quotes. So, yeah great fun podcast.
1: Yeah, so thanks for listening today. If you're out there and we'd love uh, to hear from you, you can always share your comments, quotes on social media using hashtag D-L-I-K. Well, we are excited for today's uh, speaker and actually we're beginning a series of podcasts on um, the theme of serving children in crisis. This has really been sort of uh, on my heart Something for the last year that as we've gone through the events of 2020 and now 2021, we really sense that God may be giving us a great opportunity to serve children in a real crucial and pivotal uh, time. And so um, we're beginning a new series. As I said, this will be over at least four parts uh, about how we can serve kids as they go through various issues or trauma or challenges in their life. And um, recently, Joy, Um, There's an old publication. Now you're much younger than me. So I don't know if you've ever heard of a publication called Reader's Digest. Have you? I have, actually. My mother okay. used to read it. <laughs> Ouch, that hurt just a little bit. <laughs> uh, but uh, we play this little game in the offices. Sometimes uh, Joy reminds me exactly how old I am. But there was th- there's this publication, Joy, it's called Reader's Digest, which you're aware of. Uh, and it printed a list of words that have been added to our vocabulary since the beginning of the COVID-19 virus. And some of the words that uh, have been added... Uh, On the list or become more frequently used or more regular were the terms like pandemic, public health, PPE, social distancing, quarantine, isolation. Um, They added the list contactless and flattened the curve among many other terms. Um, And so as I read that list, I realized that along with that sort of revised vocabulary, there came really a new uh, reality for all of us. Um, It's one that's been filled with uncertainty and instability and, of course, disruption. And so um, this has often been referred to, and I really don't like this term, but it's often referred to as the new normal uh, in our culture. And, you know, as we're all kind of going through this new normal, I think we have to remember, particularly as children's ministers listening today, that our kids are going through this new normal as well. And I believe, and um, I'll share a headline in just a few moments, uh, but I believe that as we go into this new normal as children's pastors, there is going to be an increase in some of the emotional challenges and disorders that our kids face. And so that's why we're really starting this new series. It'll be on our blog. Uh, There'll be articles there. There'll be articles in the uh, magazine, our magazine, The White Wing Messenger, as well as these podcasts. So, We wanted to invite a very special friend to Children's Ministries uh, today uh, as sort of our first speaker to these issues, and that is Dr. Maurice Cassell. Maurice gave his heart to the Lord at the age of 14 in Brooklyn, New York, where he began ministering to children and adolescents. He served as teen ministry director, drama ministry coordinator, and youth group leader. At the end of high school, Maurice relocated to Buffalo, New York to pursue an undergraduate degree and he holds a Bachelor of Arts in Religious Studies with a concentration in Biology. Maurice went on to complete graduate school and received a Master's of Science in Science Education and he continued his graduate studies and also holds a Master's of Art degree in Professional Counseling with a concentration in Crisis Counseling. In May 2018, He completed his dissertation and research, which focused on urban adolescent anxiety, earning his doctorate, a PhD in counseling and pastoral care from Liberty University. Marais has served in various ministries, including youth ministry, Christian education, pastoral and evangelism and outreach ministry. And as an educator, Marais has served in elementary, middle and high schools as a teacher, dean, chaplain and school therapist. As a clinician, Dr. Marais specializes in child-adolescent therapy, marriage and family therapy, therapy, crisis counseling, and integrative therapy. So we are really honored today uh, to have our friend. He was most recently a part of our Institute of Children's Ministry staff as a presenter and keynote speaker, and so we couldn't help but welcome back Dr. Marais Cassell. Welcome, Dr. Cassell.
0: How are you today? Well, hello, uh, Bishop Sean McKenley and Lady Joy. What a great honor it is to be with you again, my friends, right? I, I know this is a um, a podcast and we're going all across the world, but let's begin by just saying I'm just blessed to be with my friends today.
1: Well, we are blessed and honored to have you, and you know, since I see him, um Dr. Morace. Uh, you your family has grown a bit so why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh, about your precious daughter
0: yes since ICM uh, we've had an addition to the family. Uh Alith Morgan Cassell was born on 220, 2020. Can I say it again? I love saying that. 220, 2020. So we call her our double portion blessing. And uh she's a joy, she's a delight. She's running our lives uh and literally running around. So <laughs> Alith Morgan Cassell, we're glad to have her.
1: We are we love seeing the Facebook posts as as you and your wife experience just this new life with your child. And so it's it's really is great to have you. And we just thank God for everything he's done with you professionally and personally. So thanks again for sharing some time with us today.
0: Absolutely. And let me also give honor to the leadership of our movement, the Church of God of Prophecy, uh, Bishop Clemens, Bishop Sam Clemens. Uh, We want to honor him and his wife, uh, Sister Kathy uh, Creasy, who serves as the leadership development director. Of course, you, Sean, Dr. Sean McKinley. Uh, Congratulations, by the way, on your recent accomplishments uh, in terms of your studies. So giving honor to you as well, uh, all of our overseers and presbyters, pastors, and of course, we honor our precious uh, youth and children's workers. So just wanted to make sure I get that in there. Uh, we, we we so love the leadership of our movement.
1: Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for all of that. Again, thank you for being a leader in this area Uh, We really don't have many folks um, serving in leadership, particularly in the behavioral sciences. So it's great to have you with us. So I think Joy's going to kick us off with our first question of the day.
2: Yeah. So one of the traditions that we have here on our podcast is we always begin by asking our guests when and how they experience their call to maybe their particular vocation or their ministry. So Maurice, can you tell us a little about what brought you into the field that you are currently in today?
0: Yeah, thank you for that question. I I love sharing um, my journey uh, in mental health and particularly being a behavioral health specialist. Um, many people across the world in our movement, they know me as the youth preacher. I preached in their camps, uh, their, you know, IYCs and, you know, youth conferences. I'm in their local churches, uh, pre-COVID preaching revivals. And so many people often ask, you know, when did this happen? Well, this happened while serving um, uh, children and youth in the Northeast region, where I served as um, youth ministries and camping ministries directors for many years. Uh, in fact, uh, 11 years uh, serving the Northeast region in the Church of God Prophecy as a regional uh, youth ministries director, and 15 years serving uh, in youth camp. Well, you know, while serving youth and children and their families, um, I, I recognized that I was just not equipped to handle many of their prevailing needs. Yes, you know, we preach with, uh, to them, we We journey with them through prayer, you know, uh, through conferences, retreats. All of those things were good. But I just really felt like um, I needed to do just a little bit more in making sure I was equipped to handle those prevailing needs, those uh, traumatic, traumatic related issues, those crisis issues, suicidal ideations, um, just the many things that they were facing. So having served as an educator for a little while, I went back and got a second master's in uh, professional counseling. And then as you heard, uh, went back and got my PhD in counseling and just really found uh, my passion uh, in the area of of mental health and being able to come alongside them. Um, I love telling people that uh, now I get to do both. I get to bring hope through both mental health and ministry. And I'm just grateful for that opportunity. Um, I also love telling people, I get to uh, go places with mental health that ministry would not allow me to go. And I think that's an amazing opportunity. Uh, I get to go in the uh, the darkest of places, you know, with the darkest of situations, where as a minister, as a preacher, uh, it would not allow me to go. Uh, For for example, I get to go into the schools uh, and talk to children and youth and educators about mental health and suicide awareness. I also get to train police officers in how to recognize and respond to children in crisis. So yeah, that's how I I got involved with uh, what I do right now. And again, many are just uh, kind of wondering, when did this happen? But again, I saw the need and I felt like, how can I integrate uh, you know, ministry and mental health to offer healing uh, to our churches.
1: I love that testimony. And um, I appreciate, uh, Maurice, that you have had, really, you have a um, a great reputation for serving our youth and young people. Uh, and you've had some great opportunities, I think, within the movement to share that passion. But that integration of ministry and sort of the the mental, um, the psychology, the science, uh, Mary, uh, sort of wedding in, integrating those two together. Um, I think, gives you, uh, as you said, even greater opportunity to serve and to meet people at their deepest need. And so that that is just incredible. And and it's because of that, that we wanted you to be our really our first speaker to address um, this issue of caring for kids in crisis. Um, you heard my opening that I believe that this is a great window of opportunity for the church to serve some very serious needs that are arising in our culture. Uh, and really, as we Sort of universally have gone through this time of pandemic and um, COVID nineteen. Coming out of that, I think universally again globally, we're going to see some of these issues arise, no matter what the culture. So, um, so today we are going to start out specifically by asking you to speak with us about uh, kids who are having difficulty with anxiety. Um, I. As we were preparing for this podcast, just this morning, a headline came across um, on the radio. So I had to I had to check out this news story uh, in Colorado, um, here in the United States. This is this was the headline uh, of this article today. Health leaders declare youth mental health state of emergency, and uh, I thought it was interesting. A word that I'm hearing a lot is resilience. Um, and how our kids are resilient. But this headline actually says, our kids have run out of resilience. I'll just share, before I ask this next question, a few quotes from this article. It says um, that on Tuesday, uh, Colorado health leaders sounded an alarm over what they're calling an unprecedented crisis among their state's youth population for the first time ever declaring a pediatric mental health state of emergency. And it goes on to say that the public health emergency has been bubbling for years, health officials say, but bubbled over the surface during the COVID-19 pandemic when kids' lives were disrupted by remote learning social isolation, and anxiety over family members' health and safety. So uh, I do think that this is a headline that I've seen over and over again over the past uh, year, really, as we've thought about our kids and this time in our culture. So as we look at sort of this issue of anxiety, uh, can you start off by maybe giving us a simple and easy understand uh, to understand definition of anxiety and maybe how it uh, specifically
0: relates to children? Uh, thank you for that, uh, Bishop Sean. And even before we jump in and talking about anxiety, and I thought about this question. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to say this uh, very passionately, uh, you know, uh, being in the field and, uh, you know, working for the largest grassroots organization that deals with uh, mental health. Uh, of course, I'm not representing them today. But um, but I want to say this very passionately, um, and I think this is important. Here's what we know when dealing with children as it relates to crisis and anxiety. It is so important that we don't take a sad, shock, traumatic approach. And I want to say this again. Right. Um, again, we. You know, we we look at the headlines. We listen to what's happening in the culture. Uh, we we understand statistics. In fact, you know, I could tell you uh, that we're seeing uh, in terms of statistics that the numbers are are you know they're increasing as it relates to anxiety. You know, prior to uh, COVID nineteen, the numbers were one in one in in four adults in the United States uh, will would have a. Uh, Mental health condition, that's about 57 million people. Uh, One in five children, uh, it was stated, uh, we understand from research, would have a mental health condition, about 52 million children. Uh, But coming out of COVID, what we're now seeing is that those numbers have increased in terms of it's now one in three adults Having said all of that, it's so important, and I, I want to resound this, I want to yell this, I want to scream it, that we don't take a sad, shock, traumatic approach, right? But we take a strength-based, hope, focus, and the word that you just used, and a resiliency or a resilient approach, right? We want children to know you have strengths. We want them to know that you have hope and we want them to know that they are resilient. So I hear the headlines. You know, I'm in the throes of this. This is the work that I do on a day to day basis. Um of course, a lot of it is virtual. Uh, I'm getting ready to head back out into the schools in a, in a little while as things begin to to change. But I, I really want to highlight that, right? Because we want our children to know they are resilient. And I love uh, sharing with children, and I use this example. I usually give them a um, a rubber band, and I have them put it over my uh, around my wrist. And you know, I don't know why I do this, Lady Joy. I don't know why I do this, Bishop Sean. But I have them pull the elastic band or the rubber band, and I tell them, "Go ahead and stretch it, stretch it, stretch it." And I tell them, "Listen, if you if you let it snap back and hit me, I'm going to cut you." I, t- I literally tell them that. <laughs> right, but they'll do that, and then they'll let it go. They'll <laughs> they'll snap back, and they'll hit me with it but I say to them that uh, we are like rubber bands, right? You have been stretched and stressed and that's what's been happening with our children, but you have bounced back, right? So uh, I really wanna highlight that, that as we see these headlines, as we hear these numbers, yes, we are in the midst of a crisis. They're projecting that the next uh, great pandemic will be a mental health pandemic. We know all of that. But uh, my friends, I really want to encourage us. Let's change the narrative. Let's change the storylines. And let's begin to speak hope, strength, uh, and, and, and bounce back. And uh, to uh, respond to a definition of, you know, how do we define um, anxiety? So having said all of that, uh, here's how I'd like to invite us to define anxiety. Uh, I'd like to suggest that the best way to define anxiety is to reflect back how children have defined anxiety. So can I say that again? So let's reflect back what they have said to us about what anxiety uh, means. In other words, they've said things like, I'm worried, I'm scared, I'm shaken up, I don't want to go outside, Um, I might die if I go outside. They may term it, um, and they have termed it, uh, some of them as Mr. Worry, the worry monsters. I feel trapped in my head. I've had uh, patients and students say that to me, Mr. Cassell, Dr. Cassell, I feel trapped in my head. Uh, I've had students uh, and children say to me, I feel like I'm about to explode. I can't shut off my brain. I feel like just punching holes in a wall, right? And here's one that I, I, I often quote from a teenage patient. Uh, This teenage patient says having an anxiety disorder is like being stuck in that moment when you realize you've leaned too far back in your chair, but you have not yet fallen. Wow. Wow. What a definition. Right. So having an anxiety disorder is like being stuck in that moment when you realize you've leaned too far back in your chair and you've not yet fallen. So here's the key to defining anxiety. Let's define it the way they define it. Here's why. Sometimes as adults, we project and transfer our own definitions on them. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I, I, to go back to what you said in the beginning, I love this idea of uh, let's, let's lead from hope. Yes. Um, and let's lead from strength. Because if, if anywhere that our kids should receive that message, it should most definitely be in our ministries and in our churches, and so um, and and if any group should be able to hear and reflect back what kids are saying, I would hope it would be children's ministers um, as we as we serve them at a heart level. Um, and not just a spiritual level, you know, or emotional level, but we really right. seek to touch them in their hearts. So I love that. Well, I do know as, as we begin also this conversation, uh, you know, I want to caution those who are listening that, that we are not professionally trained <laughs> as you are, uh, Dr. Marais. Um, But we are in positions of influence sometimes. And sometimes we see things that may not be apparent to people who are, who are with kids every day, like parents or grandparents in their life. And um, I think we know that kids can really experience anxiety in, in many different ways. So um, if, we're, if we're working with a child and we may begin to have concerns that they are experiencing anxiety, but maybe their parents or the people around them don't really see it, or, or maybe even a child uh, confides things into in us, maybe during a time of ministry or prayer that they are dealing with anxiety. Um, What are some ways that we can help their parents um, to see what their kid is going through or to identify those issues?
0: Uh, Thanks for that question. And uh, before we, you know, uh, jump into, you know, just giving some thoughts there. Thank you for what you said. Right. And uh, I do want to give that disclaimer that this time is not meant to assess, diagnose or treat any specific condition. Right. So we want to put that out there. And what we're doing here today is we're offering high level kind of some, uh, self-regulating self-help techniques. So we do want to say that. Uh, and I also have to say that, uh, Bishop Sean, because if I do assess or diagnose or treat, I'm going to have to charge you a whole lot of money and I'm really expensive. (laughs) Uh, I have a new baby and my wife loves shoes. So I just had to say that. All right.
1: (laughs) And it's worth every penny. Um,
0: but before we, um, answer that question, um, uh, allow me for, uh, for a moment, indulge me for a moment to, uh, ask you, uh, enjoy to, uh, you know, engage in a quick activity, right? We're talking about children and youth. So, um, let's kind of embody that for a moment, right? I know people are going to be listening all over the world, all over the nation. So, I think it'll be good to kind of lead this way. So, uh, this activity that I do quite often is called follow the lead. And you're saying, well, well this is not a presentation. Well, in some senses, it is, right? Um, but I believe when we're doing, you know, and you know this, you know, when we're talking about youth and children, uh, play is a part of what they do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so we want to engage with that. So <clears throat> this is called follow the lead. I'm going to give you a series of instructions you're going to follow. Uh, My lead using just your head and your eyes. So all of you who are listening, when this will replay, I want you to do this. Make sure you're not driving. Make sure you're safe, right? So (laughs) uh, you're going to follow the lead. I'll give you some instructions. You're going to follow with your head and your eyes only. Your head and your eyes only. So here we go. Look up. Look down. Look left. Look right. Look up. Look left. Look down. Look up. Look left, look down. You should see Bishop Sean and Joy. All right. Next round, real quickly, I want you to say what I'm saying and do the actions. Say what I'm saying and do the actions with your head and your eyes only. Say what I'm saying and do the actions, right? Say it and also do it, right? With your head and your eyes. Look up, look look down, look look left, look look right, look right, look right, look down. Look up, look, look left, look down, look up, look, look left, look <laughs> down. Interesting. Wow, wow, wow. Why is he doing this? And the last round really quickly. I want you to say the opposite of what I'm telling you this to do, but do the action. So you're going to say the opposite. Do this out loud, but do, uh, but do the actions, right? So say the opposite of whatever I tell you to do, but do the actions, right? So say the opposite, but do the actions. Look up. Look down, look, up. look left, look left. look right, look, right. look down, look, 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 up. down. <laughs> look up, look up, look up, look down, look right. right. We've lost look this left. entire podcast right now. It is just gone wild, wild. <laughs> well, well, why do that? Why Why do such an interesting activity? Here's what I wanted us to consider, right? To put into, um, into action. I wanted us to embody. I wanted us to lean in what it can look like when children are feeling overwhelmed, right? They're hearing a lot of things. They're faced with a lot of things. We're giving them directions. We're trying to give them the word of God. They're trying to navigate life when their emotions, their brains, their minds, their bodies are saying all kinds of things, right? Just for that moment, Think of how anxiety provoking that was. Think of how um, unsettling that was. Think of how uh, dysregulating that was. Well, in, in some small sense, not to reduce this to that, to an activity, in some small sense, this is kind of what it may feel like when someone, or particularly children, is experiencing anxiety. So I hope that made sense uh, to you. So here's some things I really wanted us to consider as we answer that question. Be aware that children are the experts in their stories, so listen to them, right? The next thing is you wanna be on the lookout for the signs and the symptoms of anxiety, right? Signs are what you see, symptoms are what they report. So look out for the signs and the symptoms. You also wanna be on the lookout for the things that they don't say, right? For those children who are not saying anything, uh, be on the lookout for when their mood changes, right? Their mood might change uh, when they're experiencing anxiety. Here are some, um, uh, just some quick things that I I wanna share about what are some of those signs and symptoms, being agitated, depression, uh, headaches, low self-esteem, uh, humiliation, upset stomach, <clears throat> excuse me, chest pains, ulcers, back pains, nightmares, loss of appetite or overeating, uh, nausea, shortness of breath, weeping, vomiting, fatigue. Uh, increased heart rate. Here's one that we've seen a lot. Um, Hair loss or alopecia arethia. We're seeing that a lot as well with children. Anger, frustration, difficulty concentrating at home, school, lack of motivation, sleep issues, a narrowing sense of time and recounting uh, just crisis situations. So, Uh, Really important that we lock into that. Be aware that children may never say, excuse me, I'm feeling anxious. They may never say I'm anxious or depressed, but they may say things like my stomach hurts. I'm not hungry. I need to pee again. I can't sleep. I want to stay with you. And here's one more I want to encourage us is it's important to listen as the angry child speaks. Listen as the angry child speaks. Mm -hmm. I just gave a whole lot real quickly.
2: (laughs) You did. I do have a question, though. Who won that game?
0: Uh, You know I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you all the way. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
2: So as we know, we want to always help ground children in scripture um, when they need help and encouragement. So our next question for you today is what are some Bible stories or maybe just some scriptures that you can think of that could help a child that is dealing with anxiety?
0: Okay, good question. And uh, I, I love that we always want to ground children in the word, right? You know, I, I'm all for therapy. I am a therapist. You know that uh, I'm all for clinical intervention, uh, but I believe that we can bring hope, healing, wellness, resiliency, recovery uh, through both intervention and, and the word of God, right? So we want to highlight that. And perhaps for someone listening, who might say, uh, Bishop Sean, you have lost it. I mean, you, you are off track talking about mental health, talking about psychology, you're conjuring up spirits, you're conjuring up demons. Let's just leave that where that is. My friends, please know that the word of God um, uh, addresses all issues and we are a holistic being. Children are holistic. They are body, uh, soul. Uh, spirit, they are tripartite being, right? Body, soul, and spirit. So, Bishop Sean, I, you know, I just feel just so compelled to perhaps just kind of put that out there, right, and say that really loud because you you may get some pushback because you know I, I've had that, right? You know, again, we're Pentecostal, we are bible believers and there are many who who have said uh you know brother morais minister morais i don't know what has happened to you you know you you've gone off course you know um you know you were a preacher and you know all of those things have come up uh but i i really want to make sure that people understand the value of what our children's ministry you know i don't have that written down somewhere but i just really feel like I need to share that, uh, particularly to uh, uh, the leadership of our churches, our pastors, right? Uh, that we we are not conjuring up spirits. We are not, you know, uh, we're in the world and out of the world. I know all the things. Listen, you know, I'm a preacher. You know, I, I'll do the backflips. You've seen me. I'll run around. I do all of that. But please know that God is calling us particularly during these times to minister to not only the spiritual health of our children, but also the emotional health. Uh, The scripture says it in 3 John chapter two, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. First Thessalonians chapter five, it says that it's God's will that you be whole, whole, and holy, right? Did you see how that just uh, uh, came out of me, right? The scriptures and the word. So I don't know why I need to say that, but Bishop Sean, in case you get some pushback on this, just know that I want to affirm what you're doing. So anyhow, uh, we just, uh, I just went off in in another area, right? But I just really felt that so strongly that we uh, say that to our folks. So I want to encourage us uh, as it relates to grounding um, children in the word. I want to encourage us as adults, um, before I share some scriptures, uh, to be careful that we don't hyper-spiritualize or over-spiritualize or downplay anxiety, making it seem like it's not real. Wow, wow. That was an ouch moment, right? We can hyper-spiritualize and, oh, let's only focus on the world. Let's just pray. Let's just believe. You know, All of that is good, right? But let's not downplay the reality of what our children and our people are experiencing, right? Just like a med- medical condition is real, anxiety is very much real. Both medical and emotional health need to be addressed in the natural and in the spiritual with the word of God and intervention. So here's some uh, quick thoughts. Uh, You want to let children know that uh, anxiety might be big, but God is bigger. I love that. Anxiety might be big, right? But God is bigger. I love letting uh, children know and empowering them that the word of God is a sword, right? Hebrews chapter four and verse 12. So use your sword against the enemy. Right. And that includes anxiety. I also love telling them that they have power in their mouths. Right. And in their tongues. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Uh, So uh, we want to let them know that I also love letting them know that through the word of God, they have power over their thoughts. They have mental power, mental strength. Second Corinthians chapter 10 And verse five. And here's some more scriptures really quickly Philippians chapter four, verse 13, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse eight, Proverbs chapter three, five and verse six, Ephesians two and verse 10, Zephaniah. Uh, Chapter three and verse 17. God is singing over you. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Ephesians six, verse 11 through 13. And here's one that we may not be as familiar with, but I love it. Psalm chapter eight and verse two through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger, right? And the last thing I wanna say about grounding them in scripture, uh, I went back Bishop Sean and Joy to the story of David. And I wanna say this uh, kind of passionately here is we wanna make sure that through sound theology, we explain uh, the sto- We explain how the story of David and Goliath is like defeating anxiety. What do you mean by sound theology? In other words, it's important that we tell children it's God who worked through David to defeat Goliath, not David defeating Goliath. Can I say it again? So a lot of times when we preach to kids, we say you be you're David and you're going to defeat your Goliaths. The truth is. Uh, if we look at the theology of that, David really represents Jesus Christ, and we are like the five smooth stones and the sling that God used to defeat the giants, right? So, what that do will do is that will relieve the pressure of, of children to believe that they are the ones fighting Goliath, right? You, we, we don't fight Goliath. It is God. It's the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus working through us to be like those five smooth stones that will help us to defeat uh, those giants like anxiety. Did that just make sense? It made great sense. And boy, I think
1: all of us who are listening, you've just rewritten the way we teach David and Goliath. So (laughs) that's powerful, (laughs) though, really. And, uh, you know, as you just uh, sort of rehearsed all of those passages of Scripture and you discussed how those have implications to today's topic, um, it just made me even more grateful that there are people like yourself who are not just serving in in the field of psychology, but but doing so from a Christian worldview, a biblical perspective, okay. and so for all of those who are really uh, who are challenged by the idea of the church mixing in psychology here, uh, I think that you've given a strong argument there for uh, Christians such as yourself, sort of working your way into that field and making an impact, and so we are grateful for that. But boy, yeah, I love. I love this. Anxiety might be big, but God is bigger. And boy, we could say that about all of our problems, couldn't we? Um, So let me ask you, Marais, um, you know, we talked earlier, you mentioned leading from a position of hope, strength, resilience, um, but... Sometimes it is really hard to avoid sort of those headlines, mm-hmm. uh, especially if your child is the one that is is being impacted by what's happening. And so, as children's ministers, we've we've sort of been beating this drum for the last year, reminding children's pastors and leaders that. We don't do this ministry alone. We should do it in partnership with parents, uh, with grandparents, with influencers. So how do we come alongside and support people when they know their child is struggling with anxiety? What are some, some things that we can do to support them?
0: Thank you for that. Uh, Well, first thing is, is what you said, um, partnering with parents, right? We want to assure them that they are not alone. And it seems so simple, but uh, as a parent, you know, as parents, as as children's workers, right? Uh, We want to assure them, right? You are not alone. The other thing is we want to help parents disrupt the negative thought patterns about not being good parents or not being enough, and that's important, right? Because a lot of parents during this time will feel like I'm not enough, I'm not a good parent. Listen, children care more about you being there than you getting it right. Can I say it again? They care more about your presence, you being that safe place than you getting it right. In fact, we could take our cues from children. Children are not afraid of the dark, Uh, What they're afraid of is being alone in the dark, right? That's why children, they go and they get an adult and bring them back to that dark place, right? Well, we want to be like that for parents. You know, we we want to be the safe place where they can come get us and bring us into those uh, dark places. The other thing is we want to encourage them to take care of their own emotional health, right? Really, really important. Uh, in mental health, we love to use the analogy of the safety drill on the, on the airplane, right? Uh, put on your own mask before assisting others, right? That's what they'll say. Before you help, if you're traveling with uh, young children, if you're traveling uh, with, you know, with someone else, make sure you put on your own mask first, right? So, we don't want to encourage parents uh, with that. The other thing is we want to normalize anxiety, Right? Let's normalize it, uh, let, uh, let parents know, let leaders know that anxiety is normal. Uh, it's a part of our experience, right? The other thing is, uh, let's let them know that children are little versions of ourselves. What we're feeling, they are also feeling as well, right? Uh, I mentioned this earlier, uh, be that safe place for both the parent and the child and then the last thing I, you know, I would say here is to encourage them to get the help where they need to get help. I hope Excellent. that.
1: Yeah, that's very helpful. Excellent. And and um, again, as we're kind of talking to children's ministers who are listening today, um, you know, one of the things that we want to do is to kind of understand the times in which we're ministering, how to serve our, our kids and families the best that we can. So uh, maybe kind of broadly looking at the disruption of the last year year and a half, uh, and how that may have brought anxiety to the lives of people, are there maybe some specific ways that you can educate us on how kids really have been impacted by this pandemic?
0: Yeah, I've been using the uh, the cup analogy, and I've been asking this question, "How full is your cup and i want to I want us to kind of pause for a moment. We've been sharing a lot, right. Uh, giving you a lot, uh, really, it's kind of like um, the fire hose, all right, <laughs> or the fire extinguisher, right? It's, it's coming at us a, a lot, but you can replay this. Um, I like to use the cup analogy, and I've been asking people, I've been asking children as well, how full is your cup? So let's pause for a moment and kind of think think about that. Of course, I'm not asking about, uh, he anoints my head with oil, my cup is running over. I'm I'm talking about your emotional cup, right? Your mental cup. And think about that for a moment. You think about that. Just kind of lean in for that moment. How full is your cup? And already, I could see people typing in uh, and responding. My cup is overflowing. Um, I have no more room. Uh, You know, I'm just exhausted, right? So, I've been using the cup analogy to explain that all of our cups are overflowing, right? The cups of children particularly are overflowing with the effects of COVID-19, the pandemic, the harsh realities of racial inequities, police brutality, divided times in the church and culture, political issues, grieving the loss of people, property and possession, navigating uh, in-person or, you know, in person or virtual school and work. And you're saying work, we're talking about children. Uh, you know, uh, w- we're seeing children who uh, they've had to, uh, Bishop Sean and, and Joy, uh, before they go to school, they've had to go to work because of what has happened uh, economically with their parents. So, uh, th- they are working before they head off to school, whether it's virtual or in person, right? So, uh, imagine that. Right. The the other thing is uh, that's in their cups is the stress of technology or the lack of access to technology. This is all in their cups. Right. For some children, what's in their cups that's overflowing is they're having to take care of siblings or elderly parents and grandparents. Uh, for some, it's isolation. Uh, we're seeing in their cups, there's an increase in anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations. Uh, we're seeing in their cups, excessive boredom. And here's one that I wanted to highlight that uh, some of us might not even think about. Uh, for some of them in their cups, they're dealing with the predators on the internet. Whoa. Mm-hmm. that's an interesting one, right? Um, uh, for some of them in their cups, they're dealing with the increase in domestic violence. We're seeing that a lot, there's an, uh, a rise in domestic violence. And um, of course uh, in their cups, you know, they're dealing with the, uh, the missing or the absence of the community of faith and the church, right? Not being able to meet in person. Now we're regrouping uh, depending on where you are in our nations and in our world really. So their cups are really full is, is what I wanna highlight. And, you know, as you
1: uh, shared that, uh, that list of everything in our cups, what occurred to me, uh, Maurice, is that um, there really is no delineation in this conversation. Uh, we, what we as adults have faced during this year, our kids have faced as well, you know, as, as a dad of three children, I try to shelter them, protect them from, from what I can, But uh, everything that you've listed this past year, I was not able to shelter them from because they were walking through the same situations that I was, you know, uh, dealing with uh, virtual schooling, dealing with quarantining, Mm -hmm. uh, dealing Mm -hmm. with all the precautions to keep ourselves healthy and well. Uh, (laughs) Even some of the other things that you mentioned, um, you know, even my youngest one was aware of some of the racial issues, particularly of last summer and the fall that we confronted um, as well as, um, you know, just all around all of these issues we as a family have faced. And so um, I think in response to your question, if we just sit and really, or my question, if we would just sit and think of all that we've experienced in a way our, our kids have experienced it all as well, except um, I would hope I have some of the tools to um to sort of mentally process it, whereas they may not be as mature and then have some of those tools. So, so boy, the cup the cups of many of us have run over over this year. And so, um, again, I think if we just sit and process our experience, we know what our kids have gone through as well. So that's powerful.
2: And as you know, many of us that are listening, we lead children's ministries or even other ministries in our church. So my question is, how can we be better equipped to minister and train maybe the volunteers that are alongside of us are also the leaders that are ministering with us when these needs present themselves?
0: Wow, Uh, another great question. And um, uh, we're doing it right now. Right. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but I, I want to uh, kind of circle back to what I said earlier and say it in a different way. And, and you could tell, again, this is my passion. Uh just want to encourage people to know that these topics, they don't oppose God or your faith. Right. So I'll say it in a different way than I said it earlier. Right. Um, these topics addressing psychology and uh, uh, crisis and trauma, right? Because we know that uh, crisis and trauma can leave imprints on the brains, the bodies, the souls. In fact, a great book is by Dr. Bezel van der Kooke, uh, And uh, his, his book is titled The Body Keeps the Score. And he talks about that trauma affects the, the brain, the mind, the body, and the emotions. Another uh, great uh, person that comes to mind, his name is Dr. Shangold, And he says that in addition to children experiencing the imprints of trauma on the brain, body, mind, and soul, he calls it soul Murder, right? Soul murder. So that's what's happening with our children. But I just want to just say that, again, when we talk about topics like this, and we hope that you'll begin to do this in your local churches, right? Is to address these topics, right? These topics are helping us to understand the complexities of God and the perplexities of man, the things that trouble mankind. So, uh, how, how do we equip our volunteers? It starts with awareness, right? And that's what we're doing here today right? And we'll be doing in this month long series. Awareness. Awareness leads to empathy and empathy leads to listening differently, right? I love what Dr. Caroline Leaf says. She says, empathy is getting down in the dark places with someone who is suffering and showing them they are not alone. I love that, right? So, that's what we're doing here, right? We're creating awareness, right? So, create awareness in your church about the needs, to uh, be prepared to handle uh, the needs of children. And again, this goes back to my own journey, uh, Dr. Sean and Joy, Joy, right? I, I felt like I was not prepared. So I wanted to do something else, right? Use the available resources in your church and outside of your church, Right. A lot of our uh, churches have professionals, uh, social workers, clinicians, nurses. Right. Use what you have in your churches and also use the available resources outside of the churches. Right. So partner with community resources. Oh, mercy. Did you just say that? Yeah. Sometimes churches will say, oh, no, we're not going to go there. Uh, Let's keep them where they are. But please know. And again, we might get some uh, pushback on this particular thought right here that uh as churches we don't have all the resources so pause and think about that we we just don't have all the resources right so we may need to partner uh with uh with someone else uh, and have professionals come in and train your staff right and that's what you're doing uh today and and throughout this series right you're having those um those of us who have been trained in the field uh, who you vetted, let's use that word, right? Because we don't want to just, you know, open our doors to er- everyone, right? Uh, but those who you vetted who are professionals, have them come in and, and train your staff.
2: I know we've already touched on this quite a bit, um, but let's talk about trends. And we know, obviously, this past year, we know kids have become more anxious But do you feel that kids are becoming more anxious as time has progressed over the years? And what do you think might be a trigger for that or a cause for that?
0: Well, um, as I thought about this question, here's how I wanna answer that, right? Uh, Let's be the church, the people, the generation, the communities that begins to change the language and the trends on anxiety. Instead of saying kids are becoming more anxious, let's remove those labels. Create new norms, uh, Dr. Sean, or better norms. Create new narratives, new stories, new trends, and shape the culture by modeling and speaking hope. Recovery, resilience, faith, victory, strength, right? So let it be, it's, it's now faith over fear and anxiety guided by the facts. And someone is saying, you didn't answer the question. Um, you, you just, you, you just went around that. And and I'm intentional in not answering the question. And, you know, if you, if you kind of hold me to the fire, I will say yes and no, but really, I, I, I really felt like, and I, 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 I ruminated over this. I kind of meditated on this. Um, I could say, yeah, you know, we're seeing an increase in anxiety. It's true. The numbers are going up and, you know, again, you know, that's the work that I do. I see the numbers. I live the numbers. I teach the numbers. I I know all of that, but I really felt like uh, the church is at a a critical juncture where we can shape the culture, where we can be the ones to, uh, you know, culture is, is, is determined brick by brick. We're not recreating the wall, but A culture is created brick by brick, right? Let's be uh, the bricks in the wall that says, right? uh, Yeah, these are difficult times, but we're creating new norms, new narratives, new stories, a new sense of self. We're speaking hope. We're speaking recovery. We're speaking resilience. Uh, We're the city of hope. Let's be hope dealers. Can I say that again? Let's let's start pushing hope, right? And be the hope dealers, right? Uh, As opposing to, kind of going with the trend and you're saying, but Dr. Cassell, you know, you're, you're overlooking the numbers. No, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I've got the numbers. You know, I, 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 I diagnose, I treat based on the numbers. I know all of that, but I really felt like, man, this is a great opportunity. Joy, Lady Joy and Bishop Sean to challenge our churches, to be the voices of hope, the voices that remove those labels. Does that make sense? So faith over fear, Uh, and anxiety, but guided by the facts.
1: Amen. Well, as we uh, approach sort of the end of our conversation here, uh, Maurice, let's shift our our conversation to ministry leaders. And I thought uh, if you went back in time a year ago, you would have found Sean working on a weekly at-home discipleship lesson for our church members to do with their kids on fear. Uh, But I can recall during that time, I was going through a time of fear to be honest with you. Um, We didn't know much about this virus and things were just upside down. I can recall my own children, keeping them isolated in the house, not letting them go out to play with friends keeping, you know, washing our hands frequently every day, doing everything we were being told at the time. And yet I was rushing to the grocery store every day to buy groceries, you know, to buy necessities, uh, just because I was so anxious that, you know, about what we were going through and not having enough for my family and all of this. So, uh, you know, I think as leaders, sometimes we want to pretend like we don't struggle with these issues. Um, But I don't know how maybe we came, anyone would have come through the last year and at least not become aware of some of the things that they personally struggle with or deal with. So uh, as again, as we kind of approach the end here and think about we as leaders, those who are listening, children's pastors, um, we have pastors who listen to this podcast. um, What are some ways that we can maybe um, either preventatively or proactively deal with our own anxiety, especially as many of us continue to be overwhelmed uh, by all that's come at us this last year and how we've had to respond.
0: Well, thank you, uh, really, really good uh, uh, question. And uh, wanna address that. Uh, first thing, of course, is self-care, right? Take care of yourself first. Uh, again, I remind you of the analogy of putting on your own mask first, right? Uh, as we are in these turbulent times, and that's what this has been, very turbulent, unseen, unprecedented times, right? Put on your own mask. Be aware of your own emotional health. Right. We want to talk to people, pastors, leaders. Right. Check in with your own emotional health. Right. This has affected all of us and hit our human frame. Right. Be aware of burnout and compassion fatigue and compassion fatigue, of course, has to do with those of us who, who give care and we're compassionate. And we're always pouring out. We want to make sure that our own cups Uh, Are being addressed, right? Recognize your own sign of anxieties, right? What are your own signs of anxieties, right? What are you seeing in your own self, right? Let's not overlook that. Uh, Listen as your body speaks. And I want to highlight that. Listen as your body speaks. Things like headaches, muscle tension, heart attacks, high blood pressure, ulcers, uh, gastrointestinal problems and reoccurring medical issues. Uh, You know, I, I can't lean in enough and say this, please listen as your body speaks. The other thing is recognize that it's okay to be a Christian and a Christian leader and experience stress, anxiety, anger, sadness and depression. Right? And somebody's saying, Oh, no, brother, you've lost it again. Right? We're Christians. We don't know. Absolutely. Right? As Christians, uh, we do experience those things. And uh, Bishop Sean and Lady Joy, I think we need to release a lot of people across our nations who feel so condemned. They feel so, uh, you know, not spiritual enough because they are dealing with depression and anxiety. They feel so uh, not worth it. Like, how could I be a Christian and be dealing with this stuff? Please know that it's okay. Uh, And of course, you know, we're we're not... endorsing or promoting the spirits that's behind these you know we know that that's a different topic that's deliverance ministry we know there's a place for that but please know my friends that um, many people in our churches are experiencing um, and as I've been you know going into many of our regions and our states uh, virtually um, you'll be amazed at the uh, the, the the personal messages that I get of people who've been just so condemned uh, by this, you know, uh, issue of anxiety and depression. And I also want to say here, not everything is spiritual and not everything is uh, mental and not everything is demonic. Right. So we don't want anybody leaving here thinking, oh, everything is mental or you know, that's not what we're saying. The other thing is establish boundaries even Superman had uh, has kryptonite, right? So establish boundaries. What works for you? What does not work for you? Uh, and I love this one, especially children, uh, uh, parents with children who are who are, are smaller. Uh, I love to tell pastors and children staff: get rid of the Miss, Mrs. Rabbit syndrome from Peppa Pig. So those of you (laughs) who have little children, if you've not watched uh, Peppa Pig, I'm gonna invite you to pull that up on YouTube and look for Mrs. Rabbit. Mrs. Rabbit does everything, right? She goes everywhere. She has all the jobs, right? Please know that you can't be everything, you can't do everything, Uh, you can't be everywhere. So get rid of the Mrs. Rabbit syndrome from Peppa Pig, right? And have a strong social support outside of church
2: amen absolutely now as we finish up our time with you today i do want to ask you if you have any books podcasts resources you would recommend i know you mentioned a few earlier and i just looked i know the body keeps score it's for it's a free audiobook right now so do you have any more recommendations that you would like to share with our audience today
0: well, this is what I'll say, uh, that the Internet uh, is full of stuff, resources and anxiety. So Google is your friend. Right. So what I would encourage people to do is uh, one it's, it's just a plethora of information that's out there. But uh, I, I tell people, uh, you know, I can recommend books, you know, which you know, I've given just a just a couple. But you want to see what applies in your context and with your specific children. Does that make sense? So go to Google, uh, type in anxiety. Christian anxiety, children anxiety, and you'll see a lot come up. You can research and see what might work for you. But a couple of a few websites I want to highlight is uh, one is uh, Hope for Mental Health. Hope with the number four. Mental Health. Hope the number four. Mental Health. So Hope for Mental Health, uh, and that's uh, with uh, Rick and Kay Warren out of Saddleback Church. They do. They have an amazing ministry as it relates to uh, mental health awareness. Uh, the other one is Champions Club, champions with an S club.org. And that is out of Lakewood Church. Again, they do a great ministry surrounding special needs children uh, and mental health. The other one is NAMI, N-A-M-I, NAMI, N-A-M-I, the National Alliance on Mental Illness and they do a great job of giving resources to family. And I want to highlight as well uh, my own mental health um, website. And uh, because I get this a lot, people want to know what are the resources, right? Uh, so uh, my particular uh, mental health website, where you, which you'll see a lot of resources, is c3inthistogether.com. So that's C, the number three, in this inthistogether.com. Uh, and you want to head there. Uh, for some good resources. Also, want to highlight um, a, a particular individual that is really great. Uh, she's actually uh, passed away uh, a few years ago, Dr. Rita Pearson, P I E R S O N. And I'll just give you a, a quick quote from her. She said, Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists that they become the best that they can possibly be. That's Dr. Rita Pearson. And lastly, I just wanna encourage us in terms of some things that we can do, uh, promote play and laughter. Really important that we promote play and laughter, right? Play rewires the brain, the body, the emotions, uh, the prefrontal cortex, which is the front portion of your brain uh, that deals with decision-making, mood, behavior, empathy. It gets bigger, it works faster. Also, I want to encourage you, do what you can to create routines like eating together, praying together, watching television together, and also within those routines, break up the monotony, give them a break, right? Let them, you know, take them in the car for a ride, be creative. Uh, Some other things really quickly, uh, rather than always giving them directives, give them choices that you have vetted and let them help plan a safe activity. Right. And help them to make small changes like uh, rearranging the room, uh, painting their rooms, changing the furniture in the house and building and repairing some things together. And last one that I love to do is the 21 Day Thankfulness Journal. Right. 21 Day Thankfulness Journal. Um, We know that um, thankfulness helps to calm uh, children. Uh, So have them do a 21 Day Thankfulness Journal where they will write down two or three things that they're thankful for. uh, And it really will help to rewire their brains, their bodies, their emotions, their spirits. And of course, that aligns so well with scripture, right? Being thankful.
1: Wow. What a a great conversation, Dr. Cassell. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for your wisdom, your insights, your sensitivity uh, to addressing this topic with us. Uh, We are, uh, we have a lot to think about and to process coming out of this time together. And I want to mention that um, all of the websites that Dr. Cassell mentioned today are um, listed on the show notes for this episode. So please access those through the Children's Ministry website. As we conclude, I want to remind everyone that this is part of a series Uh, that International Children's Ministry is making available uh, through our podcast, our White Wing Messenger articles, and our blogs uh, called Caring for Kids in Crisis. The first three issues that we are addressing are this one of anxiety. Uh, We'll be addressing depression, as well as helping children cope with the divorce of their parents. Um, So you can access um, all of this information over the summer through the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, which you're listening to now, or on our blog at cogop.org children. Dr. Cassell was kind enough to write an article for the White Wing Messenger. A portion of that will be printed in the July issue, as well as included on a blog about anxiety on our website. And we also want to mention um, that there is a, a very introductory course to helping children uh, in the Impact uh, Level 1 certification program, Uh, for helping children who are experiencing crisis. It covers a a multitude of topics. So as we conclude, again, Joy and I want to thank Dr. Maurice Cassell for his time today, and be sure to check out his website, c3inthistogether.com. Is that correct, Dr. Cassell? That's right. (laughs) All right. Thank you again for your time today.
0: Thank you. God bless you all.
1: And we look forward to connecting with all of those who are listening on next month's podcast, where we will be talking about uh, helping children in crisis as they deal with depression. Thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children.